0: Welcome to Switching the Narrative. The podcast series dedicated to sharing the stories of Wilton and Bain's SWITCH members. SWITCH, which stands for Senior Women in Transformation and Change, is an invitation-only executive network connecting women in positions that are crucial to influencing and driving change in organizations. Through SWITCH... Wilton and Bain hope to ignite a new wave of change across the executive level recruiting space, breaking not just through the glass ceiling of the C-suite and boardroom, but maintaining the presence of marginalized groups within executive leadership positions and away from the glass cliff. Today, we're joined by Michelle Bogan, Michelle is a leader in advancing women while driving business results. She founded Equity for Women to help companies achieve measurable, self-sustaining gains in workplace equity, diversity, and inclusion. And prior to this, Michelle worked in retail, consulting, and tech at Accenture, Kurt Salmon, Macy's, the Walt Disney Company, multiple tech startups, and has consulted with many Fortune 500 companies. Michelle, welcome to Switching the Narrative. Thank you so much for having me it's such a pleasure um michelle i was just reading the rest of your bio thinking about how you were promoted to be the youngest partner at kurt salmon at the time and then went on to further glory in terms of vp and managing director level positions at both macy's and accenture and then you went on to be the only female managing director on accenture's north american retail strategy leadership team thank you for being here and i'm really excited to speak with you about your background um and your history thanks so much i'm
1: I'm thrilled to be a part of it
0: so michelle how how did you propel in your career to to such heights and such levels
1: well you know it's funny i think when i look back um you know reading it or writing it in a couple sentences it makes it all sound so easy (laughs) (laughs) um over the course of Twenty-five years. I mean, there were so many times I felt like I was hitting a wall or, you know, working so hard and and still struggling to get ahead or get recognized, and the things that really made the biggest difference were either having someone reach out and, you know, sort of bring me under their wing to take a chance on me or push me ahead, Um, or if that wasn't happening for me, finally learning to really stand up and speak for myself and talk about the things that I really wanted to make happen at a senior level, and once people knew that, they kind of rallied and said, okay, how can we help you? How can we make that happen? Um, but I think it takes both sides. You know, you need great sponsors, and you have to figure out how to make yourself eligible for sponsorship and really talk about, articulate what you want to go after and ask people for help.
0: Absolutely. And we um, we've spoken previously about the differences between sponsorship and mentorship and coaching and how you need all of these different parts in order to be successful. How how did you find sponsorship? What are some some takeaways from sponsors that you've had um, or as well in your own position as a sponsor?
1: Well, what I really learned over time is that the difference between, um, in particular between a mentor and a sponsor, is that the sponsor sort of has skin in the game on your behalf, and they're willing to put themselves on the line, and, you know, that doesn't necessarily have to be super politically risky, but sometimes it is, um, but, you know, put themselves on the line for you in the meetings and 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 rooms that you're not in. Um, So they really advocate on your behalf. They say they'll stand behind you. They put you up for um, a promotion or a stretch assignment or, you know, something that's maybe not automatically on everyone's radar. Whereas mentorship is more um, really curated learning from someone who's kind of been there before and, you know, has had a certain way of doing things that you want to learn from. So it's a little more... It's very rich, but it's a little more passive. So once I really start to understand the difference, I could kind of figure out who I needed to go to for which kinds of things. And then the coaching was sort of an added benefit, largely around a specific project or specific goal where I could go deeper with someone and maybe even have that person be somewhat accountable or hold me accountable for achieving certain goals we set out together um, over different periods of time. So I think figuring out what the right mix is for you at different stages is really, really important.
0: Absolutely. And what was the, what was the right mix for you um, at any point in your career? Have, have you found the recipe yet?
1: Um, I think it changes all the time, really. I mean, I think earlier in my career, I needed more coaching just because I needed more general professional development. And then I took on more responsibility. I found I needed more mentoring for, you know, kind of the longer term career arc. And then definitely when it came to some of those promotions where there weren't many women getting promoted, so once it was sort of the, definitely the partner, um, VP, managing director level, that's where I needed some key sponsors in, like, or, you know, somebody who was basically a C-suite level to get behind me. Um, And once that happened, then some other people kind of fell into place and said, hey, I see you're doing great things. I'd love for you to get involved other than an advisory board or you know some other senior role outside of my organization um and now having my own business it's it's different I find I need all of those things all the time <laughs> <laughs> I need coaching on how to run a business and um especially being a woman entrepreneur I you know look to other women to help me navigate all of that um I need mentoring for people who've been doing it for many many years men and women and i need sponsors to help me get into clients so um i think you know just sort of have that clarity you don't necessarily have to label the people to their faces and say hey i want you to mentor me or sponsor me sometimes that makes people feel funny or it doesn't feel as authentic but sort of in your mind knowing which what are you asking for exactly what do you want from them then i think the relationship can be really effective because everybody sort of knows what what's expected and you know, it it just clarifies everyone's kind of
0: goals and so forth. Absolutely, and and this is part of what you've been doing as well at Equity for Women, and I'd I'd love um, for our listeners as well to hear more about the mission of Equity for Women and um, and the goals as well for the future. Yeah, sure
1: thing. So uh, overall, the broad goal is to create more equi- equitable workplaces, and I really work with um, CEOs, C-suite leaders, boards. Of directors and investors to help them understand systemically what's in place that may not be obvious that is creating some inequity, particularly around women advancing to the most senior levels. So I do. Um, I have a scorecard that I use and a proprietary analytics tool that I've developed to help understand what are the you know core metrics or indicators of the problem around turnover and promotions and hiring and um achieving tenure and other components and then I do a lot of advisory and coaching work to um male leadership teams in particular how to really live out you know you may have all the right policies on paper but how to help people live them out in a way that creates a much more balanced opportunity as you work your way up the chain of a company
0: yeah and and we were speaking about this before but a big part of your business is is helping men helping male board members undo unconscious biases at the board level Mm
1: -hmm.
0: how how do you go about that
1: well you know i find that the majority of men are very well-intentioned and they have you know a lot of interest in making a difference but they really don't know what to do they don't want to stick their foot in their mouth get into a space that's inappropriate, they don't want to overstep or overassume. So the natural tendency unfortunately is to kind of say the right thing, but then maybe not be an actively engaged participant in making it happen. So as long as I've got someone who's got some interest and understands there's a benefit, I really work with them to help them figure out like how to put it in their language and their company language to see, you know, make it a really authentic mission so that it's something that helps them live out their brand values and their corporate values in a real way, so for example, I have men that come to me and say, you know, I'm interested in this, but we just don't know what to do, we don't want to rock the boat I'm afraid to open this Pandora's box of problems I may not be able to deal with, and it's like, you know, if we need to, we can go slow, and it doesn't mean that you, we have to out people that have, you know, had horrible behavior or anything like that, it doesn't (laughs) at all, it really can be you know we want to be better in the future and we want to or we want to add diversity and inclusion and equity as core values into our business model and how do we really live that out so it's through a lot of conversations sometimes it feels a little bit like therapy um for people to talk about it but you have to have these tough conversations to really break down okay why you know why isn't this just sort of happening all on its own um i also use a lot storytelling so I give really personal examples in many cases of um, situations where you know best intentions weren't really lived out and the impact that had on the individuals and groups that were involved and I think that really helps make it more real so I just try to bring it home so that people can relate on a very personal level and not just at a you know, kind of academic or intellectual level to what's what the challenges and what the opportunities are.
0: Absolutely, and I feel obviously um, the. the the object of, of what we're aiming for is is equity, is parity. Um, and I think that's very easy for us to articulate and understand the value proposition of. And I think it's very easy for um, for everyone to understand. Um, but I think sometimes, exactly as you said, the, the language gets muddied. It, it feels uncomfortable. It feels um, as though there's a problem that we need to tackle rather than just a question we need to answer.
1: Yes. Definitely. Yeah, and when I started this work, I mean, it's interesting, the language can get really tricky, and people have um, different reactions to different words, and so I think there's a lot of talk about equality and parity, and that's the end goal, but you have to sort of make all the things underneath um, work equally and on parity to for everybody before you can really have that work on its own, you know, sort of become the way of being. So, the equity component is more that you sort of recognize that not everyone's starting from an equal position. Um, Even if they're recruited into an equal level and given equal start at the beginning, there are things that are even very unconsciously built in that create some bias in the workplace around, um, you know, things that come from small networks or things that come, you know, after hitting certain KPIs and for promotion, it can be hard in, especially for women who go on maternity leave or maybe do more of the, um, elder care for their family or, you know, sort of need more of a flex schedule to sort of make sure that they're still tracking equally to others. If they're still putting in, um, delivering, you know, against the, um, the criteria and the values of the company, how do you make sure all of that stays equal along the way? So that's really where the equity component comes into play.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And thinking about that as well, especially as we get to the board level, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is something that not only do you consult on, but something that you have direct experience with
1: yeah i think you know the board it's been so great that in the last number of years there's been a lot of talk and focus on getting more women on boards and you know the boards ultimately hold um the ceo accountable and can provide great guidance and sort of steerage of the corporate mission so i do think it's important to have diversity at the board level for sure think I also think it's really important that we don't just put a woman on a board just because, so we have to sort of make sure we don't get into tokenism. But if you've got boards that, you know, can develop a good process for getting great candidates in there, you're gonna end up with a great diverse um, slate. But I do think, you know, traditionally, you have to have been a CEO or a COO, CFO, sort of one of those three, To be considered for a board. And so, if you look at the history of how women have progressed in companies, you sort of like you're left with a very small pool to pick from, especially once you look at public companies and public boards and what they're looking for. So, what's been great is I think boards are now starting to, and when they go through selection, they need to maybe broaden their thinking in terms of you know, what are the criteria we're looking for? Not just, have they, this person been in that particular seat before, but like, what's the experience we really want to draw on? So that helps open it up. And again, sort of back to what I was saying earlier in the conversation, it also means women need to sort of say early on, hey, I'm interested in it, I want to put myself for it." And if they feel like they need help to get, develop the confidence to be good candidates, You know, really reaching out and finding good resources to help do that either through um, formal programs or like board readiness programs or through networking with others who've been on boards or are, you know, looking to get into that space.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, one of the big things that comes to mind with that is obviously self-advocacy, but also um, sort of (laughs) slamming down imposter syndrome. Um, Yeah which can be really difficult, I think, in particular for women and in particular minority groups, um, is thinking, well, I'm not 99% qualified, so why yes. did I put my hand up? Right.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it's funny. I mean, as you know, we've there's so many amazing women out there who are would be such amazing board candidates, and I think we just have a tendency to kind of second-guess ourselves in terms of our readiness and... Um, it's, I mean, it's so hard to not fall in that trap. I find myself doing it all the time. I mean, especially since launching a business, doing, you know, whenever you put yourself into a new situation, it's so easy to say, like, do I really know what I'm doing? Am I ready for this? Maybe there's someone better for it. Um, but I think we have to push ourselves. And that's where, like, our own network support, even through just close friends and colleagues, to sort of give a little push and be um, great supporters. I think can go a long way in helping us take more chances, um, but I think women tend to wait until they feel like they're you know 110 or 20% <laughs> ready to jump into something that senior and I actually think given the role of the board in being very advisory and um, you know providing influence and counsel and guidance it's so very, well geared toward a lot of things women do naturally anyway i kind of feel like we should be pushing ourselves even earlier than the guys for consideration just to get it kind of push ourselves to get out there and um make sure we're on the radar and and kind of making ourselves go up for for um consideration and, and and get ourselves qualified
0: absolutely and i think um one of the things that that people tend to mention is um you know people want to see people like them in in these types of roles in leadership positions in sure. um, positions of authority. And um, you were the youngest partner at Kurt Salmon at the time. You okay. went on to be the only female managing director um, yeah. at Accenture. How, how do you either find internally either the, the motivation or um, the push, as you've said, to do that? Um, was it a sponsorship question? Was it um, this, this internal fire which I'm, I'm sure that you have what I'm really curious to hear about your own experiences in this exact phenomenon.
1: Yeah so I mean when I became partner um, at that time I was, I was the youngest I think we probably have had people since then that were even younger than me who made it forward and I a lot of that comes from drive and this desire to I don't know, get to the top of the game so you really can have an influence and, and be part of the big strategic discussions and all of that. So I was, I mean, it was more of a challenge for me for woman, especially because I had one of my kids at the point to get up into that group. But then I was there, I was sort of like, well, yes, this is what detail I made it, but now I'm here and I've got all these other people on this, so I should just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I like, a fairly humble person, but there also is a drive in me that's like, no, I really should, i have got to keep pushing, because I need, I just was so hungry for um, the experience and the growth, and um, and a chance to really shape an influence for the next generation. Um, and it was interesting when, so I, I ran the um, large portion of the U.S. business for Kurt Salmon um, as the only female managing director, and we were acquired by Accenture, and and I was, um, and so we became kind of the retail strategy arm of Accenture. But I was still the only um, female in that group when we came on, even though we merged with some other people. To make that happen. and I was so shocked. Um, <laughs> at Accenture, there are a lot of women managing directors, but when you look group by group, at least at that time, it was still like a very low percentage to the total. So there were only a handful of us that leadership roles in each of the groups, and. As a credit to Accenture, they're working hard to make that change. But it really takes a lot of women pushing to push themselves up into those roles to make it happen and to show we can do it. And then to turn around, and bring others behind us while working in partnership with the men who, you know, are on board with the idea that you know, this really shouldn't be a hindrance. Like we all are equally skilled and talented. Everyone who's got the drive and performance have a chance to get to the top, work with them as partners to, you know, make the changes that need to happen to, you know, to keep us, like, equally competing at every level. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so the partnership, I think, is really critical, and I I see that as also as a big opportunity for getting more of the women on boards, is to reach out to men that you know on boards and ask them to sponsor you or ask them to coach you or mentor you or make introductions and just get the word out that you're interested. You know, their networks sort of have probably come about a little more naturally. We tend to have to work a little harder to build the networks at that level. Um, But if they've got a chance to sponsor you on your behalf or help throw your hat in a ring in a conversation that you may not be part of, that's the best and most natural way to make it happen.
0: Absolutely. And you were just having a very similar conversation um, at NRF previously when you spoke on a panel.
1: Yeah, so I was asked to speak at Interop. It was really great. Um, I spoke with three other female leaders in the retail space, and we talked a lot about um, sort of lessons learned in terms of how to get more women into leadership roles. Um, It was, you know, while it was in the retail space, I think the lessons were applicable across all industries. And it did talk a lot about mentorship and sponsorship. Um, We talked about flexibility and, you know, really making sure that – not only did we as leaders show that it was okay to you know take advantage of flexible options but that there was no penalty for that and to help us all kind of advocate for each other men and women who are going through changes in their life and you know family needs or medical needs or whatever it might be um and also just bringing a lot more humanity into the workplace so i think the old way of working was very rigid and structured and um Retail in general is a little more um, loose and kind of gritty, and um, roll up your sleeves and just get it done. And you know, especially in for newer brands or you know, people trying to break into new spaces, which I think is um, great. So you can have a chance to be really creative on the business side and even creative on the design side and merchandising and other things, and and make a big difference. And it doesn't necessarily have to be within a structured way of working, but. But we're all humans at the end of the day, and we need to really help each other out and show that we can run great businesses and have great professional lives and, you know, accommodate and nurture all the other things in our lives that we all want to do. <laughs> um, and then in the session after mine, it was a great session on women on boards, how to get more women onto boards, and they talked a lot about the networking and um, making sure you put yourself out there. Some people went the route of doing nonprofit boards first when they felt they needed to get some experience. Others went directly into for profit. Um, so it just shows there's a lot. There are a lot of paths to um, into leadership at all into all different dimensions, whether it be on the board or C-suite or running a company or starting a company or um, leading a global brand or whatever. Um, you know, I think. it's to me, the big takeaway is like figure out what you really want and like find your own path to make it happen and leverage your relationship, um, either help you get there or help you get to others who can help you get there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And <sighs> it's a difficult line to toe as well in terms of um, self-advocacy and obviously you've mentioned um, that you have a healthy dose of, of verve and of um, humility which is I sort of think the um the ideal place to be but how do you how do you self-advocate without self-sabotaging
1: it's hard um I mean I'm this was past weekend I got together with several female friends who all of us are um, Sort of, you know, accomplished in our relative fields, and we probably all equally feel fully we'll falling apart and <laughs> don't have it together. And at any moment, the whole ship could crumble. <laughs> Juggling, you know, family, kids, and aging parents, and work, and all the things that we all want to be doing and feel like we should be doing. And so, I think, you know, a lot of the advocacy starts with just like recognizing what's not working or what, what is working and what's not and where the gaps are for yourself. And then even just saying them out loud, like um, say it out loud to yourself. It's so easy to stay in our heads. And um, it you know it just really struck me being with these friends, like all of us were trying to figure out how to solve some problem. And it was so helpful to just sit in a circle of women and say like, I just can't figure this out and have these other great heads come together. and. <laughs> work together on like okay what if you did this have you thought of this like maybe you need to take a moment and reflect on this other thing or um a lot of times you just got to start by saying it out loud um I find for myself like saying it out loud to myself is a really great starting point because I can get stuck in a you know bad sort of like cycle in my head on I need to do this I'm falling down I should be doing this better you know and it could just go and go and go without realizing, like, oh, if I, you know, wrote it down or said it or talked to someone, i probably fix it and move on to the next thing. Um yeah, advocacy always starts with you. you got to be able to articulate what you really need and how much of it can you fix and how much of it or you make happen and how much of it do you need others to help
0: with. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, that's one of the things, I think, that as women in particular, it's um, – uh, it's difficult to ask for help. We feel it shows weakness or, and I don't mean to speak for yeah. an entire gender. Um, but it's, um, it's certainly something that I've struggled with in the past. And I think one of the things that Switch in particular has been so fascinating um, and is really, I feel so lucky to be a part of is the fact that um, these fantastic, impressive women such as yourself were all going through the exact same experiences. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and all asking the same questions um, and I think uh, it's it's been so wonderful to speak with you about it and especially your experiences going through it yourself um, as, as an executive within these massive global organizations top of your field but also doing the same for executives on a consulting basis um, so you've seen it inside and you've seen it from the outside. Um, do you have any perspective now that you've potentially taken a bit of a step back and are able to to parachute into businesses. Um, Do you have any perspective that you might not have had previously?
1: Oh, definitely. I mean, I actually, I love that about um, just the concept of consulting that you get to sort of um, parachute in and kind of become part of the culture and really see the inner workings. And sometimes it really matches what you, the impression you have from the outside and sometimes it doesn't. I always find that all of that really fascinating. But I think, you know, with this topic in particular related to gender equity and getting more diversity and inclusion built into the workplace, I'm a very firm believer in it has to be done in a way that fits the culture. And um, if you try to shoehorn in sort of a cookie-cutter way of doing it, like, you know, check the box, we need these things, and um, it's not going to solve the problem, it has to be, it can be. Um, It needs to be encouraged. It needs to be measured. And there's got to be a lot of communication about it and transparency. But it has to be done in a way that's organic to the culture and the brand. Um, You don't want to make people feel defensive. You don't want to make anybody feel like they're being forced to participate in stuff and they don't really want to. I I mean, I even think back to my early days. I, I, I helped to found one of our first really the first women's network group that we had at Kurt Salmon but in the beginning I felt funny about it because I didn't want the guys to see me as like the woman I just wanted to be seen as myself you know mm-hmm. and so we were really careful about it in a way that didn't polarize the company sometimes we did a good job of that and sometimes we didn't but I felt like I learned a lot from that so I think that's the most critical thing it's like do you've got to do all this in a way that feels really natural to the culture and the environment, um, especially if there's something really precious about the culture that is working well, you don't want to disrupt that. And this could be something that, if it's not handled well, could derail that a little bit or put some of those values at risk. So it's, you know, it's a bit delicate, but I do think there's a lot of opportunity and it's just a matter of, you know, leadership piece of time to get on board, get aligned and find the right way to communicate about it that feels good to them
0: mm.
1: um and then if it starts to feel natural, everyone else, but they've got to step it down from the top
0: yeah absolutely absolutely is there um is there anything that you've seen in particular um that you would say steer clear from <laughs> uh, besides well, what you I- just mentioned
1: yeah, it's interesting. When I tell people what I do, you know, some people get it immediately, and other people assume immediately that it's like part of the Me Too movement and sexual harassment. And there is, I mean, there is no place for sexual harassment in the workplace. Period. And and all of the Me Too stories definitely opened the, I I would say opened a lot of visibility into. A lot of the inequities that happen that can create that situation in a bad environment or with a bad seed or bad player Um, but I do find that's the thing that makes people uncomfortable is like wait is she gonna come in and talk to us about sexual harassment that's that's really not what I'm doing I'm talking about workplace equality and equity and yes I mean if sexual harassment is happening like that has to be addressed head-on but I think leading with that or waiting until there's a problem with that to address the other issues that just have an effect on women's careers in general that don't have to, a sexual aspect to them, sexual harassment that is, a, is very problematic.
0: Absolutely. No, I couldn't agree more. Do you think that there's there's anything um, sort of simple that you wish more businesses did or took advantage of in order to even start the conversation um, around equity and parity?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think this is happening a bit more, but I, I would love to have... You know, a lot of a lot of excuse me, a lot of companies either have started or are thinking about starting different women's networks, um, similar to what you're doing with Switch, but from an internal perspective. But they don't necessarily have those groups like set goals and have good lines of communication to the leadership teams, and that to me is such a like such an easy thing to do, like. Set one or two concrete goals each year within that group, and communicate out to the company. But also have a sit down with leadership once a quarter or twice a year or something, just to say, "Here's how we're doing." Keep them in the loop, like help them start to get a bit invested in in what's coming out of that. Um, you know, those groups are not, especially we've got a company that's email primarily at a more entry level they're just not empowered to a lot of change but they come up with fantastic ideas mm. so there's a way to channel that um and get some quick wins really really fast if you just set up those communication points um from the beginning and people focus on you know achieving something that helps build some momentum
0: yeah absolutely no i, I really couldn't agree more um michelle Thank you for being here. I have one final question for you, um, sure. and if there's any any piece of advice for aspiring board members, for our switch members, um, for anyone listening, I'd love to hear anything that you could pass on. Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> um, you I on think the
1: spot. no, we. Uh, I don't know. Like I, I find it so easy. So, in my situation, like, I'm a single mom, I have two kids, a 13-year-old and a 10-year-old, I have my own business, I did all this corporate stuff, I have a boyfriend who has two very elderly parents, my parents are aging, like, it sort of feels like life is coming at us from every single angle possible, Um, and I think so many women are in some version of that situation, doesn't necessarily have to be kids and aging parents, but, like, just life is so much... Harder <laughs> to manage than it used to be. <laughs> um, we all want to do so much in our careers and it can feel like, I don't know, like you're not getting far enough fast enough or set those goals that maybe just, like, it, they feel too intangible. So I I would say my two bits of advice are number one, like, give yourself a little grace. So, have some forgiveness. Like, you can't do everything all the time and that is totally okay and you're in for the long game. So, You know give yourself grace that you're going to get there in the long game but the second is like don't be afraid to take some time and figure out what is it you really want like what's going to give you some excitement and passion and feel really rewarded in the work you do even if it's something really small and make sure that you articulate that to the people who want to help you like there's so many i've been so amazed and just blown away by how helpful people want to be Um, they just need to know what to do so take the time to figure out what you if someone wants to help like what you would ask them for and see what happens you know a lot of times you'd be surprised what comes your way Um, but I think it's very relevant to the board conversation in particular because it's just it's a weird network to try to get into and so you need help making those connections and figuring out how to pitch yourself and sell yourself and feel confident going into an interview and all that. So um, again, give yourself some grace that you may not have it fully figured out, but then figure out what is it you need some help with to make that start to happen.
0: Perfect. That was um, a fantastic answer to a very, very vague question. <laughs> so, um, no, thank you so much for that. Um, really, that was um, that was fantastic advice. Um, certainly taking that one to heart. But Michelle, thank you so much again um, for joining me today. It's it's been fantastic to speak with you, and um, looking forward to seeing the continued successes of Equity for Women and um, and you.
1: Great. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. <laughs>